0: Hollywood hoop dreams aren't only made from magic, they also come in the form of original podcasts from the hoop Ball Network So if you're the Lakers zooming out are you tempted to bring back DeMarcus Cousins in the playoffs and do you disrupt the dynamic at that point if he's healthy enough to play? Join Ethan, JC and the thriving Lakers community around the world to talk about all things Lakers. The Lakers this season has come to expect of this team is consistent winning That is something we have not been able to say since I've seen Andrew Bynum in a Lakers uniform. The show is available every where pods are found and you can follow the show on twitter at Ball lakers the following is a hoopball presentation Congress right, Nation, welcome to the show. Got a special guest with me today, Mr. Lyle. He is the host of the Hootball Pelicans podcast and late night with Lyle. Is that right? Did I get that right the Facebook Live? Or live uh, with Lyle? I'm yeah,
1: Saturday it. night Lyle. So there we yeah, go. We've got that uh, we've got that over on, on the Hootball Facebook page. So pleasure to pleasure to be here. Thanks for for hitting us up and, and getting us on. Happy to talk uh, pills and grizz.
0: Yeah, man. This is uh actually it's a great time to talk about them. It's a heated debate. Uh, you know, the rookie of the year and then the playoff race, these two teams are just kind of uh, attached at the hip. So I, I felt like it was pretty fitting for us to uh, to get together and talk about it, man.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you guys are probably in a, a bit of a better position uh, given the state of affairs that we're currently finding ourselves with the NBA. But, uh, yeah, I know the Pels were, were making a late-season charge, and if we had have had those – final I don't know 18 or so games never know how it would have shaped up I think there was four or five teams in the west that were were knocking on the door and uh it was it was Grizzlies to lose and I think but uh, who knows what could have happened it'll always be a big question mark I think
0: Yeah yeah that's you know the the Grizzlies were not healthy there toward the end of it like when mm-hmm. everything got shut down because of the covid but the their schedule was all, also significantly harder Than the Pelicans moving forward, so it was it was going to be a race whether they were able to hold on or not. I say it's always going to be a a what if thing, and I think that's uh, a lot of conversation that you see, or at least I'm seeing over here on this uh, on this end. A lot of people are talking about, you know, they're doing the the play in game or doing some sort of mini tournament for who's going to be in the playoffs, and it sucks if you are the Magic and the Grizzlies, which are both sitting in the eighth seed. And, and I think the Magic are like five and a half games up. The Grizzlies are three and a half. But it's also, you know, the, the teams like the Blazers and the Pelicans that were sitting there, on the, they were on the rise. What's going to happen with them? And I don't know. I don't know if we get basketball back this year. You know, there's been talks of, uh, of maybe it coming back. But it, it, the what ifs right now are just insane.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the the rumours circling around—they're saying that they could restart in some sort of bubble or hub city in um, uh, in Walt Disneyland in Florida. And you know, that could that could very well be the the place that they do it. And they fly every team in. You know, I saw a rumblings that there was going to be a, a seventy-game season, so everyone would play about five or so games each. But again, there's a whole heap of teams. If you have a look at the Western Conference, you're sitting there with the Pels, the Blazers, the Kings. The Spurs are all within three, three and a half to four games behind, and if you're playing 18 games, you never know what's going to happen. You know, the Pelicans had one of the easiest schedules, whereas Memphis had one of the hardest going forward for those remaining games. So it's all it's all what if, and we never know what will actually happen. I mean, if it does start up again, there's going to have to be some very very strict um, health and safety rules in implemented, and, and they're saying that they're going to have these coronavirus and COVID, um, I suppose, policies in place to be able to, to to manage those. But again, until we actually see it in, uh, in practice, we're not going to know what, it's, what this is going to look like and how it's going to play out. And I mean, for I think all the NBA fans, we all want it to come back, but it's just got to come back in the right sort of format. It's got to come back in a way that doesn't jeopardise what we've actually come to know and love as the nba just generally but that's just my my read for the uh for the the day
0: yeah no i mean that that's uh i am right there on the same page with you you know if it's going to come back i want it to be the same product that it was whenever all this went down you know and if they do play the five regular season games for the teams that are that close you know the, the you know pelicans and kings and spurs five games is not enough time to really make up that kind of ground. Is it possible? Sure. But five is compared to 18. Yeah. Okay. I I think I, you know, if I'm on the outside looking in, I want the 18 for sure. But also you look at, what is this going to do for future seasons? You know, they're pushing it back saying maybe then the next season starts in December. And then are we getting a full 82 game season? And then the next off season, is shortened as well to try and get back on the regular schedule or are they going to just push everything back and be competing with with the NFL and that is uh, I, I don't know if that's something that they want to do I know worldwide I think basketball is going to have more popularity but in America the NFL you know it, it's been on top for a while but I do think with all of the superstars and just the the star power that the NBA has right now, it's definitely climbing whenever it comes to the power rankings.
1: Absolutely. And I think they're very conscious of uh, eating into the NFL sort of uh, audience. You know, if you're putting on a a Friday night game, or I suppose, you know, Sunday night uh, basketball, that's going to compete completely with with the NFL, which will be running at the same time. And I think they've had such a nice uh, symbiosis, I guess, is the word of the day. Um, with, uh, you know, the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, they all play in their own sort of separate seasons. Yeah, there's a little bit of overlap, but they've all done it in such a way that you've got sport all year round. If we do start in December, all of a sudden you're eating right into, I suppose, the middle of the NFL season. And, um, and then I suppose their playoffs will be running right through Super Bowl time, which we get a little bit, but, you know, to be able to get 82 games out, they're going to be hitting them. Are we going to see these back-to-back-to-backs again that we saw in the lockout seasons? You know, these guys are going to get smashed. And yeah. um, that's just going to hit us for seasons to come, unfortunately, I think it's going to be the, the inevitable result.
0: The, the one thing that they have been doing as of late, you know, health has been a big – it's been at the forefront for the NBA. And so you're not seeing as many back-to-backs. And it seems like the – when you have a back-to-back, the amount of travel is significantly cut down as compared to what it used to be. So, you know, the, the, you don't see the the three games back-to-back-to-back like that. And so that's definitely, and uh, Adam Silver made the comment of uh, if one positive case is going to shut us down, but then we don't need to do it at all. And I don't know that there's a complete right or wrong way that this is not really a black and white thing. This is a, it's a gray area because we've never experienced this before. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch to see how this affects not just the NBA, but just sports in general, as far as when everything comes back and what the seasons are going to do. But uh, I'm hoping to see the rest of the NBA season this year, but if not, there's always next year. And for the two teams that we cover Next year is is looking good, and you know, with the uh, the young talent and what they, it, you know, the Pelicans, I think, were probably expected to be a little bit better than what the Grizzlies were this year. I don't know what the Pelicans over-under was before the season. Do you have any idea what that was?
1: I'm not sure, really. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think they were predicted to be very good. Um, you know, we traded Anthony Davis in the offseason. All of a sudden you get these guys, a whole heap of young talent down from the Lakers who – no one really knew what you had in in Brandon Ingram, Lonzo, and uh, Josh Hart, and then all of a sudden these guys have just taken an absolute step. And I think it's all confidence. Um, yeah, I'm not sure on the on the exact over under, but uh, I know that I don't think we were meant to be as competitive as we we did turn out to be. Which uh, I think for Pels fans were more than happy with the result. You know, even if we look at uh, finishing it, I think we're tenth at the moment. You know, if we finish at tenth, it's not a lost season. You're looking at this this season of absolute growth you got Brandon Ingram was an all-star um, Lonzo Ball became almost a top 5 point guard um in in by the end of the season he was playing phenomenal basketball uh, and and Josh Hart he might not show up on the on the stat sheet as someone that does too much I mean he gets a lot of rebounds for a guard but his hustle and heart and soul of the of the uh team you know he just throws himself into it and defending the uh the best opposing guard night in, night out, you know, you can't, um, you can't quantify that. So, you know,
0: that's uh, a, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for, you know, when when you're guarding the best player on the other team, it's, it takes a lot out of you. And I think that, you know, you you see that in generally the superstars are not guarding the best player on the other team. You know, it's not, you know, especially, well, the Golden State Warriors are a perfect example when it comes down to it it's not you know Steph Curry's not guarding the best player on the other team it's going to be Clay Thompson because you want Steph on the offensive end not that Clay is not going to be efficient on the offensive end but you know it, it seems to be uh, a reoccurring thing that the best player on x team doesn't guard the best player on y team it's always uh, another guy and so you know for the Grizzlies that's that's Dylan Brooks he wants the uh he wants the best player. He wants to guard the best player on the other team. And he, he's been doing a bang-up job this year. Um, and it sounds like, you know, I, I've, I've watched a few Pelicans games this year, but but not a ton. But it uh, sounds like Josh Hart is that guy for you all.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think in the same breath of as Dylan Brooks, you know, Josh Hart, I think they get unfairly criticized from the outside looking in by a lot of people that don't watch the actual games you know they um you know especially in the fantasy side of things you know you you're looking at the stat sheet and stuff like that you're like well he didn't really have that good of a game but this guy was chasing James Harden around for 37 minutes you know <laughs> he, yeah, yeah. he hasn't not been doing anything he's um he's been pretty busy but uh yeah i think uh unless you watch the games i think for both teams some of those guys just miss out and that um i think is a is a little bit of a shame because there's some really really good defensive talent out there that just doesn't translate to the actual stat sheet
0: yeah they don't have the the guys like uh d melton josh hart dylan brooks those guys don't get the love that the uh the big flashy offensive numbers get you know if if exactly. a guy is 20 and 10 and one of those guys has 15 and 8 but they guarded the best player on the other team and made him work and take 40 shots to get what he got I'm taking the 15 and eight, watching the game. But somebody that's just looking at the stat sheet, they're taking the 20 and 10. So it's a it, it's really for me. Like when I just started digging into like watching, like really, really trying to watch the games more of an analytical side of okay, what are these guys doing? I started watching guys like Dylan Brooks more when I first started watching the NBA. I wasn't really paying attention to. The, the Dennis Rodman, Draymond Green, like the guys that done the dirty work. And now that that I'm a content creator, it's given me like I have to look at it from another angle and it's really opened up my eyes to a side of the game that I was missing before.
1: Yeah, I'm in the exact same boat, you know. I love all the flashy stars and I love that sort of, um, I suppose, celebrity that comes with these star players, that's what draws you to the league that's what keeps the casual fan coming back but digging into it, all of a sudden you've got these players like, for us, Derek Favors another guy that's been around the league for a while, never really uh, seemed to be, was never an all-star or anything like that, but just a ph- phenomenal player at the Jazz, solid, he came down to the Pelicans and became our most important anchor and it, it just doesn't translate, he plays like 22 minutes a game, but when he's on the ground or on the field, you know, it is um just Unbelievable to see the team shift in its mentality and and have that defensive mindset as well as on the offensive end. And I think um, there's a whole heap of players like that that just don't get the recognition that uh, maybe some of the buzzier names do. You know, they got the the hype around them, whereas people, I think, tend to forget that there's 15 players on a a roster and, uh, you know, there's probably 8 to 10 that, that contribute night in, night out.
0: Yeah. So as we... As we transition here into, like, you know, we're talking about the players on the team and the the guys that are getting the spotlight. So, you know, for the Pelicans, obviously, that's, you know, Ingram was an all-star, and then you have Zion. And then for the Grizzlies, you have Jaron Jackson, which was, he had a phenomenal rookie year, and then he followed up with a a stellar season this season, and then Ja Morant. And and I think, you know, a lot of these guys – deserve this, but I, I, for, for some of them, I feel like they get a little, a little too much and they get, okay. So I, I'll, I'll back up just a little bit, uh, like where I'm going with this LeBron James, I think that he should have more MVPs than, than what he has. And I know LeBron's not playing for either one of the teams, but I think what happens, like th- these guys, they get, uh, they get all this, all this spotlight, all this media coverage, And then people get fatigued on them. And that's kind of happening, like, for me, with Zion. Like, I respect his game. I watch him play. I see how special he is. But it's like, they just, there's nobody else on that team. Zion is carrying them to the playoffs. And I'm like, well, not exactly. Because you have Derek Favors, and you have Drew Holiday, and you have Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo Ball. And so the guys that are pushed to the limelight are like, okay, this guy's carrying the team when in reality that, that to me, it hasn't been the case. And obviously like you've, you've watched quite a few more Pelicans games than what I have. Do you feel like in the games that the 19 games that Zion played this year, do you feel like he was carrying the team? Like, am I wrong? in in like my view of that, was he really carrying the team or, is it more of some of these other guys? You know, he, he's doing what you want him to do, but these other guys are really, you know, putting it in as well.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I could, I completely agree with the, with the LeBron statement. I think you, you do get that fatigue. All you hear about, if you, so if you Google the Pelicans, you're getting a picture of Zion. Um, you know, internationally, the only jerseys you can buy for the Pelicans is, is Zion. Um, and I think that's because he's this generational talent. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. I think the, the Pelicans are very, very lucky to get him. Um, in terms of whether or not he carried us to the playoffs, I think his input definitely kickstarted us. I think going into the season, a lot of the systems were built around having this bloat that you can just throw the ball up near the ring and, and, and he'll get hold of it. Um, I don't think he was solely alone in, in that turnaround. You know, I mean, a, a teams are some of its parts. But again, the development from Lonzo Ball, the development from Brandon Ingram, uh, Drew Holiday leading from the front, as he always does, JJ Reddick, you know, that team is stacked right down to probably the 10th or 12th man. I don't think there's many players on there that you wouldn't want on your roster in at least some capacity. And, I mean, like Zion's first game, he came out, I think he had 22 or something, 17 of them came in five or six minutes and he caught fire, and I think that's the sort of thing that people grab hold of, and they go, well, look at this guy, look what he can do in, in five minutes, imagine what he can do in 40, in but I, I just think, yeah, he's carrying us, and yeah, we improved when he came in, and all of a sudden, we go on a bit of a tear, but again, you can't count out the development from all these other guys, um, I mean, I think Lonzo was, his shift probably kickstarted us a bit more than... Um, then maybe Zion did. I mean, that's probably controversial because, and I'll probably get strung up if I ever go to, to, <laughs> to New Orleans, you know, they'll, they'll, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I do think that the development as a whole, in addition to Zion jumping them, got us to where we are and possibly could have pushed us into the playoffs. Um, without him, I don't think we would have made it, but I don't think just his presence he's going to, uh, affected us getting there. Do you know what I mean? Like he, um, he could have, yeah. I think we could have made it anyway without it, or we could have completely finished where we are. Um, I don't think he was either which way. I don't think he moved the needle as much as probably the outside looking in have, have said.
0: Yeah, And that that's kind of what I was getting at. Like I don't, when you, when I have conversations about this, it's because of the team that I cover, it's, oh, well, you're just biased because you've watched Ja all year. And I have, you know, I, I did. I watched him all year and, and I have the, the fortune of being able to, to watch him live. And so when you watch somebody, you know, and their work ethic as they're, you know, as they're warming up and everything that they're doing, they're going through the process, you do, you know, they grow on you more. And that that's what happened with Jaron Jackson. But I, I just, I feel like the the mainstream media is just like driving Zion, Zion, Zion. And I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve it. Like, if you watch any of the games that he's played in and you watch how explosive he is and the things that he can do at his size, it's it's crazy to watch all of that. So I, I'm, I don't want to take anything away from him because for years to come, he's going to be fun to watch. But I just, I wish the mainstream media would rein it back a little bit because you don't have to... I, I don't have to shove Zion down your throat for you to know that he's a phenomenal player. You know, th- there's guys out here that are doing great things that you're not seeing all this national publicity for that. You know, that they're great players. And and one of the guys that we were talking about before we started recording Lamarcus Aldridge, he never got a ton of hype. You know, he was never coming out of college at Texas. He was never a guy that really was just like, you know, he's, and he's not the same type of talent as I am, but we know that he's a great player, even without all of, you know, the media just shoving, hey, this is the heir to the throne. This is the, you know, reincarnation of LeBron or Jordan or, you know, X, whoever you want to plug in there.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the kid at the end of the day was born in 2000, you know, he's, he's not even 20 years old yet. And to put that pressure on someone, I mean, yeah, he can take it in his stride, but I mean, when I was 20 years old, I wouldn't have been able to deal with the the hype that he's getting. And then for him to deal with this knee injury very early on, I mean, there was all of this hype coming into the season that, oh, look, Zion the saviour, we lost AD, AD who, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Then you get Zion in, in playing some preseason games, he looked phenomenal and everyone's going, yep, rookie of the year, crown it now, he hasn't even started the season. Yeah, then blows his yeah. knee out and he's gone for the whole oh, 90% of the year. Um mm-hmm. When he came back, yeah, you're getting 23 points. Um, there was a knock on his free throws, but that'll come as he, as he improves, no doubt, because uh, we can see that he can shoot. But I just – I completely agree. I think we don't need to build these people up so high that if they don't reach that expectation as well, what does that do to that person? Do you know what I mean? Like they yeah, all of a sudden yeah. – say Zion – I mean, touch wood. But what if he gets injured again? And he gets injured again. We saw this with Derrick Rose. You know, this guy was once in a generation talent, phenomenal, youngest MVP, and then knees just decimate his whole career. You know, so what we don't, what I hate to see is that. And then if he does go down, then what do they do? Write the rest of the Pelicans off? Do you know what I mean? They say, well, right. this team can't be anything. And I think that that is the sort of thing that I think we we need to. Reign in the hype a bit. Appreciate talent. I mean, I love Zion. I'm enamored with this kid. I think he's phenomenal. And I think he can absolutely lead us into the future. And I think having him on our team makes us a million times better. But we we can't build this guy up just to then, if he doesn't reach that expectation that we're all building up in our heads, that we'll just knock him down. Because regardless of where he
0: reaches, he's just phenomenal. So, so, you know, along the lines of, of what you're saying there, what, what if Zion is just, um, a Blake Griffin, you know, and, and Blake is not, you know, when, when he came in, he was playing explosive. He was, you know, jumping dunking on everybody, like ripping the rim down. And, and what if the, the injuries plague Zion's career, like Blake Griffin, then, you know, he's been built up this high is he a failure? Is Blake Griffin a failure in the NBA because he's had the injuries? No, there's no way. But I feel like the, the bar is set so stinking high for him. It's almost impossible. You know, if he doesn't retire the greatest of all time, then he's never, he didn't reach this bar. And that's uh it, it drives me crazy, man. And, and I know where I was at at 20 years old. I'm, man, I, I couldn't even decide what I wanted to do in college, more or less take anything like this. So I'm glad that I didn't have the uh, the talent that he has.
1: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, And, it, yeah, it's just a shame because if you look at him, he, the he matches the eye test. He's phenomenal talent. And watching basketball is just – he's awesome to watch. I mean, you watch – lonzo ball he's just trots down the court all of a sudden he's throwing it from half court and zion's dunked it over his head and you're sitting there going <laughs> yeah. this is this is awesome you know and if if he does uh get to the height of blake griffin i mean do they turn around and say yeah like you said oh well he was pretty good but he wasn't whatever unhyped you up to be he's not and i don't think we need to compare him to anyone at this stage i think he he just needs to work out what he is, and if he turns into Blake Griffin, well, we'll be happy with him. If he turns into Michael Jordan, even
0: better. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. So I, I've got some stats here for you. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to give you player A and player B, and let's see if you can tell me who this is. Uh, this is Do you watch any college basketball at all?
1: Uh, not particularly. Uh, a little bit, but uh, like I'm across it enough to be able to. Have a crack, but we'll see how we go. I'm not I'm not well versed in
0: it. <laughs> All right. So eight hundred and sixty points and two hundred and eighty-eight rebounds on the season. Seven hundred and forty six points, two hundred and ninety three rebounds on the season. Who's player A and who is player B? Is this I, I out mean, of what, oh, yeah, what, sorry. Okay, so like one of them is Zion. Which one of those are yeah. Zion's numbers? Oh, I'll run them on back one more time. So yeah, A yeah. is 860 points, 288 rebounds. B is 746 and 293 rebounds. I think you might've been the second one. Yeah, that, that's right. So that's kind of what I like anytime that I have this conversation with anybody and, and I like having you on because you are, you're, you're on the Zion side of it. So, like, that was R.J. Barrett. The first stat line was R.J. Barrett's number the, their, uh, the year that they played at Duke. And then the, the second was Zion. And, you know, R.J. obviously went third, and he got some of the hype. But, again, you know, like, he was right there on rebounds. He, he did have more assists, which Zion is not a guard, so he's not going to have the assist. But, you know, you have these guys that are putting up numbers that are similar And they're just not getting the push. And so for me, as a guy that's covering the Grizzlies, I'm watching, you know, the Grizzlies were projected to be in the cellar this year. Like, I think, you know, Vegas had them predicted in the low 20s. Like, I want to say maybe the over-under was 23 or 24 wins. And they don't have near the roster that the Pelicans have. You know the the guys that we've been talking about, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, but even outside of those guys, those guys both took a big step forward this year. If you take those two guys off of the roster, you still have Drew Holiday, J.J. Redick, Derek Favors. That all three of those guys are head and shoulders better than anybody on the Grizzlies' roster. Well, Balanchunas is, is pretty solid, but he's been awesome. You, You've got a lot of you've got a lot of young guys that are not proven on this Grizzlies roster, as opposed to some veterans that are established, that have done good things in the NBA consistently for a while, and that's why with the media, I didn't understand, and I you know both teams, New Orleans and Memphis, are both small market teams. Like, when when does Ja get his turn for this type of attention? And it was always man, it made my skin crawl when I was listening to somebody talk about the Rookie of the Year. When when Zion was out and we didn't really have a firm timetable of when he was going to come back and Ja was leading the Grizzlies into this playoff race, you would get Ja Morant as a front runner for Rookie of the Year, but Zion. And it was always, they, they couldn't mention Rookie of the Year without bringing his name up. And I'm like, man, he hasn't even played a game yet let's let him get healthy before you're crowning him rookie of the year. And and so it's been really, really tough to not have a bitter, like, oh, and to just get him out of my face type attitude with Zion, because it's been a lot of that for as you know, for me covering the Grizzlies, what I have to, to see on a daily basis with Ja leading this team, not having, a, you know, not having the core like Zion does in, in new Orleans, having job be the the guy on this team and then not getting nearly and he does get some but I think that he he definitely deserves to get more attention just because he the there's a, every single game that I went to this year that I watched there was at least one time every game that he done something that would get you out of your seat every game without fell anyway, except for when he was injured obviously but
1: yeah, I think Jar's a phenomenal talent as well. You know, I think those two will always be be linked. I think um, R.J. Barrett will be linked in there as well. Unfortunately, the situation that he's in at the Knicks, that's not his fault. That's uh, whatever they're trying to work out over there. But, you know, I actually have a JJJ jersey because I'm just enamoured with him. I think he's phenomenal as well. I, I think that young core at the Grizzlies surprised a lot of people. And I think, um, uh, yeah, Valanchunas is jump this year as well, has just been awesome to see. I mean, he was double-double machine, night in, night out. But for a young guy, what, Jars, 20 years old, to take the reins of a team, walking into the uh, the shoes of Mike Conley, who'd been there for, for years and was the point guard of, you know, the ages for the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. I think it's just phenomenal that he's been able to shoulder that burden and, and take put this city on his back and I think he does need more props I, I don't think Zion is the rookie of the year I think Ja Morant is and that's yeah so I was I cover the Pelicans and I think Ja Morant is has put a better resume together this year he's played 59 games as opposed to to 19 and I think that um he just showed that he can he can lead a team the talent around him, I I agree. I think the veterans we have are more probably uh, a better quality players than maybe some of the the Grizzlies guys. Not to count out any of the Grizzlies guys because the team that they've put together is is playing well and, and look where they are compared to the Pels. So right, yeah, sure. I think uh, um, I think Jar deserves all the props and uh, yeah, he. So I mean, I've watched a few Grizzly games as well and and I think Jar is just phenomenal. I honestly just yeah. All right, he's wicked.
0: <laughs> so I will that was kind of my little Zion bashing thing. So I, I do apologize. I didn't call you on here just so I can badmouth Zion the whole time. He did do something this year that, that Ja did not. Zion had a thirteen game streak where he was twenty points plus every night, and, and Ja did not do that. And so I can see, like I you know, watching the games and looking at his numbers you know, Zion was almost 23 points, nine rebounds and two assists a game. So yeah, if he plays the full season and, you know, or not even the full season, you know, if he, if he gets to the 50 game mark and he's putting up those kind of numbers for the 50 game mark, I'm okay with you giving him the rookie of the year, but the, the games thing, the games, like just the injury was a thing for me and I don't know. Do you know what the line is? So, you know, Ben Simmons got drafted and then injured. What where is that line where they are no longer qualified as a rookie? Do you know where that's at? Because he Ben Simmons won rookie of the year in his second season. And I don't I didn't ever look that roll up to see where it is, but I didn't know if you would know off the top of your head.
1: I think it's if you don't play a game. So if you don't play a regular season game that year, then you're still eligible because basically you've redshirted your first year from what I understand. And then you're still a rookie because you never played. So it's like when the Europeans get drafted in 2015, don't come out and play until 2020. You know they're a rookie in their 2020 season, even though their draft year was, I suppose... Um, yeah, I guess 2015. So that's the what my understanding of it is is that yeah, Ben Simmons won it because he just didn't play. He sat that whole year with the foot injury. So, um, and, and we can't go at Aussie Ben, surely. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. You know, Zion. Uh, the sample size is too small to know what. I mean, what Jar averaged about 17, nearly 18 points. You've got Zion over 19 games, averaging 23. But 59 games versus 19, I think that's the difference. And I know this argument happened with uh, Joel Embiid as well when he was there. I think he played 32 games and they were saying, well, can we give him Rookie of the Year? And, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if he even won it in the end, but, uh, you know, that's what they were saying. If he gets to 30 games, will that be enough? I think it has to be a whole season award. It has to be not that you had a flash in the pan in the middle of January that you... Put together a solid resume, and and you led your team, and you've made a, a genuine improvement to the team. You look like a star. Uh, you pass the eye test, and and you've got the stats to back it up. So, I think, um, yeah, I mean, it's probably controversial, especially there. Yeah, they'll I'll lose listeners because I've been jumping on the jar wagon, no doubt. But uh, you know, they, um, I I am a big fan of Jarman and and also Zion, but uh, I think the Rookie of the Year will have to be ja Morant, I think controversial
0: <laughs> that's all right I I hope you don't I hope that they can you know they can see that you are uh you know just kind of calling it like it is and, and as, a, as a fan I would love to think that if if I was on the other side of this if I was on the Zion side that I can be like okay I can concede even though I'm gonna say that I think that Zion is better I'm okay with him winning rookie of the Year because he produced all season and my guy only played 19 games. And I, I don't know, I'm going to have to look that up. I'm going to look that up right now. I don't know who won Rookie of the Year when Embiid was drafted, but I don't think it was him. Um, because it seems like maybe Patrick Ewing at 50 games was the least amount of games played to uh, win Rookie of the Year. I feel like that's right. Well, I'm going to check it out. Because yeah, I do
1: remember that hype at the time. They're like, oh, look how good Embiid is. And you're like, well, he just he just hasn't played. He hasn't played enough.
0: Sorry. I I'm just trying to find this real quick. Yeah, that's right. What's it? Embiid was was he fourteen, fifteen?
1: Uh yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so.
0: Rick of the year two thousand fifteen. Andrew Wiggins. So Embiid did not win it. Let's see. Let's do rookie let's see if I can find the rookie of the year voting to uh see where Embiid finished. But that that's a that's a pretty good comp. I uh I didn't even type NBA. It's not going to work. It's going to bring up everything but the NBA for me.
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's got that. I don't see him beat in the. uh, I look up the right here because I don't see him on there at all. It looks like Wiggins.
1: So I mean, he was Wiggins' draft year.
0: He was with Wiggins for sure. Okay, so the rookie you played with him, yeah, yeah. Rookie of the year voting. It was Wiggins, Miritich, Nerlens Noel, Alfred Payton, Marcus Smart, and Nurkic. Those were the the six in the, the got the votes. But that's you know, I, I think that's a decent comp. And and the you know. Talent-wise, you know, Embiid being, a, if he's healthy, he's a generational talent comparatively, you know, a different type. But anyway, man, I, I'm not going to be the dead horse. It, it was yeah. what, what I wish would have happened is both of these guys were healthy all year and, you know, we could have just see like, watch how this played out because I think it would have been a much more interesting story and a lot of fun to watch if both of these guys were healthy the entire season. And, uh, and we just got to watch it play out. So hopefully it'll be that way next season. It won't be for rookie of the year, but there are going to be some uh, interesting head-to-head matchups moving forward between these two teams. And I'm just glad that uh, the Grizzlies were lucky enough to, to fall where they were in this draft. You know, it could have, you know, we, we could have been talking about this on the reverse side of, you know, the Grizzlies got one, and Pelicans got two, and Grizzlies had Zion, Pelicans had Ja. It's a uh, they, they had a lot of things go their way, especially giving up a guy, you know, in Anthony Davis to end up with the number one pick and and get a guy coming back with Zion. I don't feel like you you lost a whole lot there, honestly. Like it's obviously Zion is not where Anthony Davis is just yet, but he's definitely got the talent to get to that point for sure.
1: Yeah, and I mean, this year we added I think seven new players to the roster, seven or eight new players I think, and so it was a complete roster overhaul really. With Anthony Davis leaving, I mean, I think there was only a couple of holdovers, and and that will take time to to, to build up to where we were. And I think we saw that with the with the win streak over uh, I think it was through January. Uh, Pelicans really took a step. We had Jark, uh, sorry, not Jazz Island came back, and um, and we did go on a bit of a tear. I think. There's going to be a bit of a rivalry between this this Jazz-Ion thing purely because it's been hyped so so high, and and we play each other a few times throughout the year. So I mean, I know there was two coming up in the regular season. I think we were playing um, each home and home or thereabouts. um, uh, Memphis and Pelicans coming up. So I mean, that could have very well decided where we ended up in in the playoffs. Um, And and I know
0: one of the, one of the arguments that I see from, uh, from Pelicans fans for this, uh, the play in tournament thing is the Pelicans head to head. They, they owned the Grizzlies this year. You know, it wasn't that the games were not super competitive. The Pelicans just took care of business. The, the Grizzlies didn't play well, but that, that was an argument and it's valid. You know, the Pelicans like, man, I had it. And I, I deleted it. I don't know why I deleted it, but I had what the, the head to head for these, uh, like the games that they played, what the difference was. And it was just, uh you know, the, the Pelicans doing, doing what they needed to do. And the Grizzlies were just not. And so that's, uh I can definitely see where you have fuel for the argument of, Hey, that there should be a play in because if we play these games out with where we were at and we were, you guys out all year, we deserve a shot. So, I get that, understand it, and I will uh, I will concede that point for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, looking at the the two games that we did play uh, this year it was on it was on my birthday actually twentieth of January, uh, so there we go. And Pelicans were very good. They uh they were one hundred and twenty six to one hundred and sixteen, and then uh, we followed it up Jan thirty one, and uh, that was one hundred and thirty nine to one hundred and eleven. The Pelicans won that, so you know, huge huge wins but again we just never know what it would have would have shaped up like I mean and now with these whatever result we get uh with this with this play in and this hub sort of thing well five games I don't think is going to be enough unless we're playing each other five times you know that's the only thing we can sort of go off and, and figures cross that a healthy uh Grizzlies uh still uh doesn't or don't play much better than they did against us last time, but uh, you know it's all conjecture at this point, is it?
0: Yeah, I and the thing is, you know with the the layoff with all of this going down, you know, you've got time for the people to get healthy, but the Grizzlies haven't played a game with Justice Winslow. There's not going to be much chemistry there with with all the, you know the social distancing and everything. So, you know, coming back, this Grizzlies roster is gonna it's gonna have a different look because you're going to have a guy that's going to be in the rotation that wasn't really a part of the team. You know, he got traded over and he never stepped on the court for the Grizzlies. So there definitely was not enough time for them to develop a a good chemistry. And is he going to be just come out and be firing on all cylinders or is it going to be, you know, like a, a big gaping hole because there's not the chemistry there. And that's one thing for the Grizzlies from the summer league, you know, John ja and Jaron were at the summer league. And so this team started building chemistry then, and neither of those guys played in the summer league, but they were all there with the guys that were. And early in the season, that's one of the points that I kept banging on. I'm like, look, you know, when they were not winning early in the season, I'm like, this team chemistry is good. They're not winning. They're not finishing games. They're learning but the chemistry is there, and if you don't have that, you're not going to win. And so they did have that part. They just had to figure the rest of it out, and it was fun to watch them develop from where they started the season to where they were when the season stopped.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a huge thing. And I think chemistry and these, uh, I suppose, intangibles, I guess, um, are so important for team uh, growth and team Success. I, th- I think if players aren't going to play together, um, you're never going to have any success. If, if people don't get along and don't have that at least on-court chemistry, well, you're going to be in a bit of trouble. And we saw that uh, with the Pelicans as well. You know, when you add so many players to a roster, we, lose, we drop the first four, I think. And, and all of a sudden, you're sitting there going, oh... We lost AD, we're never going to win again, and, and Zion's not there. And It's not that, it's just you're trying to implement these new guys into a system they've never played, and with guys they've never played with. So I completely agree, and it'll be a big question mark as to what Justice Winslow, what version of him we get. Um, You know, he had a whole year off with the back stuff, so um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by Justice Winslow, and I actually picked him up in a in a dynasty draft in my fantasy uh, thing just to see what happens, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, It was just a bit of a flyer, but, you know, I I hope all the best that he does that he does perform and we've seen him play well with, with the heat. So uh, yeah, fingers crossed. He,
0: he delivers with the, uh, with the Grizz. So so what, uh, what's the Pelicans roster looking like for next year? Do you have any free agents that you may be losing moving in the next season? So, like, uh, Sam and I, we were, uh, we were recording a show and Josh Jackson and D'Anthony Melton and D'Anthony Melton more so than Josh Jackson. Cause Josh got called up later, but D'Anthony Melton, was, he was a glue guy, man. He was, they um, Brevin Knight, the, uh, the color commentator for the Grizzlies. He, uh he calls him Mr. Do something and it's fitting because when he's out there, he is gonna you're gonna get something from him so do you have any like key pieces guys that were producing really well for the pelicans this year that you may be losing in free agency
1: um so i mean i haven't heard any rumblings of anyone like definitely out the door or anything like that i mean derek favors only had a contract for this year uh etuan moore's another guy another veteran and then jalil okafor just uh pulled up all the uh the contracts at the moment I know Brandon Ingram is a restricted free agent. I think next year, so he um, he has that uh, one more team option, and then all of a sudden he'll be up for big money. But from all reports, they want to give him that max extension and, and keep him around, as you would, because I know someone else, anyone else, would go and and uh, and swoop on him being an all star and only twenty two or something like that. So. Um, I think that's probably the the only thing. A lot of guys are on, on those rookie-scale deals. We've got a lot of young guys. I mean, Josh Hart's still got another few years to run. Um, Lonzo Ball's still two more before restricted free agency. Drew Holiday still has two more and then a, and then a player option. Um, so the, the main core is going to be there. And then obviously we had Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker of all uh, just on those rookie deals as well as uh, Zion Williamson. So there's a bit of... Bit of a leeway to, to uh, I suppose, play with, it. and fingers crossed we can, um, we can keep that going. But uh, yeah, I think Brandon Ingram's the big one that we need to. I think we just throw in the max money and say, well, turn into Kevin Durant, please.
0: <laughs> he he, uh, he definitely uh, flashed some of it this season. That's uh, I, I liked him in Los Angeles, but I sure didn't think that he was going to. Uh, I actually had him. I drafted him in one of my fantasy drafts and then I traded him and I was just like punching myself. I'm like, why? Cause I didn't I, I can't even tell you who I got in return whenever I gave him up. But I knew that the guy liked him. He was a Lakers guy. And I'm like, okay, I can get some value from this. And so I sent it over and he accepted it. And then Ingram just was killing and I'm like, oh what a dagger. But you know, you live and you learn, man. And I'm sure, as you know, with, with fantasy, sometimes you take a chance and it just backfires on you. You know, that's um, – I, I tell you, I, I'll kind of end with this. I've had you on here for almost an hour. I didn't realize I was going to take up this much of your time. I apologize. No, um, it's been great. My, uh, my son, actually, he just started playing fantasy. And we are uh, – we're in a keepers league together. And this kid – uh, one of the other guys, he was head over heels in love with Luca. And so the kid offered Luca for Steph Curry straight across. And my son's like, dad, what do I do. And I'm like, you take it. Like no doubt. Like I, I'm, you, I take Steph Curry. And then right, you know, right after that, Steph Curry gets his wrist roll over on and then misses and everybody's like, Oh, you know, you're looking like an idiot. Cause you gave up Steph Curry or gave up Luca for Steph and then Steph goes down. But if Steph doesn't go down, like he wins that trade in a landslide, and then in, in a long term, like a you know a dynasty type situation, maybe you don't make that trade. But the the problem we've had with that keepers league is we just haven't been able to keep people in it. Like we we have a, a core of like five or six guys that stick around, and then the rest of them are just a revolving door. So you never know who's going to go back out in the free agent pool the next season.
1: Yeah, it's difficult with that and and to keep the same guys uh, in the leagues going forward. I know, um, yeah, I've got one league that I've been running for, uh, that was my original league, the OG league, and that's from uh, 2012, I think we started it, maybe even earlier, and we've probably had, yeah, core six or seven, eight guys, and then from that, you're just sort of topping up each year to try to get it to the 12, which makes it difficult when you're when you're trying to build those relationships with people and be able to trade with them <laughs> because people think you're, you're trying to pull one over them. But uh, again, I, I would have taken Steph as well at the start of the season. I mean, a guy that's, especially a guy like that quality that looked like with the Warriors team having no one else, he was just going to go off because no one else was there to do it. So yeah, um, he yeah, w- would have, until that, yeah, that faithful, I had Steph Curry in a number of my leagues and I was uh, I was a bit distraught. <laughs> I was, yeah. I'll admit that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's one of those things and and that's the, uh, that's the basketball gods. Unfortunately, I, I'm sure you prefer not to be injured.
0: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, man, I really appreciate you coming on. I will, uh, I'll give you this opportunity. We'll close it up and let you kind of let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and all of your fantasy stuff that you're doing with Hootball and the Pelicans podcast. And, uh, Hopefully when the season starts back up, maybe not this year, but next year when the Pelicans and the Grizzlies play, we can do uh, another co-show, man.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's been great. Thanks. Thanks very much for having me. Um, yeah. I'd love to to do another little crossover episode. They've, they've been good fun. And um, yeah, so you can find me at loss Withenbank. bank. Um, yeah. You can just sort of work out what the letters are in the last name. Um, and I mean, I'm around on the hootball at hoop is, is the podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've dubbed it the Pelican Scoop, but yeah, if you just search in uh, yeah, Hoopball Pels on, on the uh, website on the hoopdashball.com, you'll be able to get me. Also hosting the uh, the live shows on Saturday nights. I think it's usually about uh, seven PM Pacific time thereabouts. Um so it'll be coming up in in half an hour, I think. Um we'll do it after. After this, and then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. So that's Saturday Night Lyle over at Hoopball Facebook page. Um, and you can go and check that out as well. Hoopball Hoops, if you type it into Facebook, that's our page. Give it a like. There's plenty of stuff going on there. Devin Ellington from uh, Today in Sports Betting, is he, uh, another editor on there, and he's got plenty of stuff going on on the Facebook page as well. So, yeah, make sure you, you go and have a look at that. And, and that's basically what I've been doing. But uh, thanks very much for having me.
0: You bet, man. We'll do it again sometime. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.